Welcome to Empowering Women in Educational Leadership. Over the next hour, we are going to celebrate women across all venues of education and hear stories from trailblazing educators of challenge and success, highlighting that leadership is not always about a title. Now here's your host, Dr. Stephanie Duguid. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Empowering Women in Educational Leadership. I am your host, Dr. Stephanie Duguid. It is such a pleasure to have you here today, and thank you for tuning in. For those of you listening that do not know me or those that are new to the show, I always share a few details about the backstory of the Empowering Women in Educational Leadership show with you. As a lifetime educator myself and with a mother who was a very strong teacher in a Texas high school for over 40 years, I felt it was a natural transition to highlight strong women in educational leadership. So many times women assume that they have to have a title to be a leader, which is not true at all. Many women inspire, guide, support, and empower each other. Those women are the transformational leaders that focus on elevating one another through mentorship, whether intentional or not. I wanted to highlight the great things and people supporting women in educational leadership. I personally have been in education for over 30 years at the K-12 and higher education level as a teacher, athletic trainer, and administrator. I am now the owner of Do Good Leadership, where I'm a professional speaker, leadership and success coach and mentor, author, consultant, and radio show host. I focus. My focus has shifted from working within an institution to a new focus outward where I can serve, elevate, and inspire women to be amazing leaders in education at all levels. This show is an opportunity to bridge the connection between where a woman in education is and where she wants to be after developing leadership skills and confidence to become that empowering, transformational leader. The key is to find a strong mentor to help guide you along the way. My mother was my mentor until she died in a car accident when I was 27. I have made it my life's purpose to develop, serve, support, and empower women in educational leadership through mentorship. Today is the eighth episode of Empowering Women in Educational Leadership, and I'm honored to have this opportunity to highlight the amazing things women are doing in education. Each show has a different guest from a different background across the country with unique perspectives to share related to empowering women in educational leadership. And so our amazing guest today is Nicole Badasari from InSpace, and Nicole describes herself as a human who often struggles with imposter syndrome. She is committed to not letting a perfect speaker bio get in the way of a good bio. She is currently the sales leader of an ed tech startup focused on building beautiful virtual meeting spaces that allow for authentic human connection online. She has a proven history of transitioning go-to-market strategy into execution through her unfiltered curiosity, ability to find comfort in chaos, and overall growth mindset. In her free time, you can find her pairing meats and cheeses for perfect charcuterie boards to host friends. You will also find her with her cat Ziggy by her side. So I'm a cat person too, Nicole. I love it. So welcome to the show. How are you today? I am so good to be here, uh, and I feel so seen by you reading that bio. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I love it. You know, today we're going to talk about really just women in, in educational leadership. And it's the whole woman. It's not just what you see behind a desk, but it's the whole life. And so today we're going to talk about with you mentorship, imposter syndrome, and growth mindset. So let's go ahead and just kind of start out. Tell us about you and your journey to get from where you started to where you are now. Yeah, absolutely. So, oh, my journey is an interesting one. I am the only child in my family, and I'm the first generation college graduate um, in my family. So I think 
that has had a lot to do with shaping my journey. Um, Both of my parents are very hardworking, entrepreneurial. So I kind of grew up with a really good base uh, for having ambition, you know, and, and really putting in that energy, that effort, that attention into, you know, a career path, which led me to completing my college degree at Drexel University which is very much known for their co-op program. I think especially today talking about career readiness, internships, co-ops, all of those factors to build on those hard skills that you learn in school and maybe have some more soft skills baked into your resume upon graduating. Um, That was really important for me. And so uh, through that opportunity, I was able to be exposed to uh, the admissions office and enrollment. But I worked for a company that did the CRM side of those things. That was my first exposure to education as a college student. Wow. So this is what's happening on the other side of the desk, right? Yeah. It's not just my teachers. Uh, it's, It's actually people putting things into the application, you know, reading those applications, sending me emails, things like that. So Um, Throughout that time, kind of blossomed, got really obsessed with ed tech. Uh, No, I'm not coming from the conventional educational leadership side, more of the vendor um, side of things. But it's always ignited me to really serve that student and that student experience uh, in any way I can. So a lot of the tech that I've worked with on the startup side of things has been focused on that student experience. How do we make it be- better? Whether it's from admissions and enrollment to student support and success um, and beyond to the academic experience where I am today within space. Well, and and I love all that you said. And one of the, you used an acronym. So I want you to go ahead and tell us what that acronym was, the CRM. So for those <laughs> that are listening that might not know what CRM is, what what is that in the admissions office? Yeah, so that's the customer relationship management solution. You know, that, that sort of system that holds all of the student records um, so that they can do email plans, uh, they can do applications, text messaging, all that good stuff with your prospects. Well, and you you have a good point is that whenever we talk about leaders in education or educational leadership, a lot of people assume that you have to be at a school, an institution, or a college. But there's so much more to education than just within those walls or on that property. It's all these auxiliary individuals, and you're one of those. So you have to have all of that input into what you're doing so that you can provide that customer experience, and in this case, the student experience. And so from your perspective, you know, how was your student experience at Drexel? Mm -hmm. You know, you were talking about the co-op. So just share that a little bit, because that probably influences how you see other institutions whenever you're working with them. Absolutely. Um, So my student experience at Drexel, uh, having no siblings or even my parents to rely on for Uh, you know, a guide through that experience, I had no idea what to expect. I moved into that dorm and I was like, (laughs) what is my new life? (laughs) And so (laughs) luckily I had roommates that, uh, you know, were a little bit more experienced in that sense. Like they had older siblings. They were like, oh, you need to uh, join, you know, a sorority. You need to do this. You need to do that. You need to wear clothes that look like this because we're in Philadelphia and it's different than where you grew up in New Jersey. Like 
all of these little, uh, I guess, tips and tricks to be a successful college freshman. Uh, I learned through my connections with the other women in my dorm um, and having always craved sort of that community and that team environment as an only child, um, you know, I was always involved in sports or clubs in high school that really did carry over to college. So having that self-starter mentality, which I know is not for everyone, I really had to fend for myself and, and go and get those opportunities to join clubs I was interested in to find, you know, which room in these crazy, you know, mazes of buildings Mm -hmm. are they hosting this group of students for this purpose? Um, And so I know that's just not as easy uh, as said than done for a lot of students. And that's what's really contributed to me wanting to be that voice for connection in the student experience, um, because it's really lonely when you have to navigate it alone, only child or not, right? Um, Mm -hmm. They don't make it very easy to surface these opportunities for co-curricular, extracurricular. Of course, you meet classmates in the classroom, but sometimes it's, you know, a large lecture hall where it can feel just as lonely as being alone in your dorm. Um, So things like, you know, why, why are we spending money on a TV in a random hallway versus like helping me have one-on-one coaching with my advisor? Like I had to seek that all out myself. It wasn't proactive on the university's part and not to bash Drexel at all. They did a great job. I'm very appreciative of my education, but I just think those smaller intangible pieces often get overlooked because the day-to-day operations are so overwhelming uh, on the staff side for an institution. So kind of working throughout my career to bake in those little touch points and really elevate that student experience. Well, and you brought up a very important point is getting involved, making those connections, building relationships. Mm-hmm. You know, there are so many studies in education that talk about the the longevity of a student or the persistence of a student and how they stay in school and engaged is because of those connections and those relationships. So it's those students that don't seek those things out or that don't get involved in intramurals or whatever uh, other athletic events they would like to get involved in or organizations or clubs. And so if there's nothing else that someone gets from our part of the conversation right now is to get involved, you know, Mm -hmm. find your group, find your crew whenever you're at an institution so that you have something in someone that you can go to. So I think that is huge. Yeah, I think it also carries over into life after college, right? Like yes. when I moved uh, to a new city outside of where I went to college and had to establish myself in that community, how can I get involved and meet people? You know, how how can I form these connections that were so readily available on a college campus, but become a little bit more scary <laughs> in, right. in the world? Um, especially if you think about the hybrid or remote culture that a lot of organizations have, mine included, um, it's not as easy to connect with people. Um, So you really do have to put in that groundwork yourself and be more proactive because like you said in the college example, what you put in is what you get out. If you strive to make those connections, if you put yourself out there, if you're not afraid to get rejected or fail, you're probably going to persist and you're going to graduate feeling a lot more confident 
Same goes life after college and throughout my career path. You have to be willing to put yourself out there to find your people that are going to lift you up along the way. So as you've gone along in your journey, um, have you had any challenges that you've come across that, you know, as a woman in educational, you know, the educational space or just personally, what anything that you could share with us about a challenge and how you overcame it? Yeah, I've definitely had my fair share of challenges um, as a woman in leadership. I think just off the bat, um, you know, I, I've been told that I'm sort of wise beyond my years. That's always been something. <laughs> I have that old soul or like, how do you know all this? Like, it's just part of my DNA. And I think in educational leadership, which, you know, a lot of the times is a male dominated industry, when I'm meeting with different institutions, and they see, you know, this young, blonde girl, what does she know? Um, I've had to overcome those perceptions of age, or experience, you know, and speaking very candidly, I feel imposter syndrome all the time with, you know, PhDs and masters. I don't have a master's degree. I don't have my PhD. So a lot of the time I feel like, are they actually going to hear me out and listen to what I say? Because academia can be so focused on those extra degrees and certificates. I'm sure you know, and I respect folks who, who go out and get it. It's just never been something that really calls to me. And so relying on my confidence and knowing what I know and knowing that I don't know everything and there's a lot that I don't know, uh, I think that's what helps guide me through some of those challenges that I'm faced with on a a day-to-day basis because I can be owning that space for myself Mm -hmm. and and knowing that. (laughs) Well, and you bring up imposter syndrome, and I think that that is something that a lot of women experience whether it's where they currently are or whether they have landed this great role and now they are feeling that. So, you know, talk about that a little bit. I I know you just said whenever you talk with some of the leads of institutions, but how do you experience that yourself? What does it come across as and how do you overcome that? Yeah. I mean, it could be something as small as like writing a post on LinkedIn about something I'm interested in. Oh, am I qualified to talk about this thing? You know, what are people going to think when I post my opinion on, you know, a popular article or trend that's happening? It doesn't even necessarily have to be in a face-to-face meeting, right? It's it's that little gremlin on your shoulder when you're <laughs> trying to just get your words out there and communicate a point of view. And so actually, Stephanie, when you sent me like the, for this show, uh-huh. the speaker bio, I sat uh-huh. there paralyzed in fear. I was like, what do I write about myself? This <laughs> bio is like the number one dreaded thing for me. I'm like, I don't know if it's going to resonate. But uh, I sat there and of course battled with myself, typed up a few things, hated it, threw it out. And then actually just said out loud, you know, things that I know are true to my character. And that's why I say, I'm not letting an amazing bio get in the way of a good bio, right? Let me just put myself out there. And, you know, if you like it, great. If you don't, it's fine. Not for everyone. Well, and you just said a really great statement, true to my character. Mm-hmm. And so I think that if you are, I had a, a, a guest last week that her big thing was authentically me. Mm-hmm. If I am being true to my character or if I'm being authentically me, then I am comfortable with whatever I put out there. You know, that that's who I am. And so nobody can really argue that if you're like, well, that's me. 
It's not you. It's not anything else. That is me. And if I'm being authentic in the way that I speak with people, in my actions, in everything that that represents me, that I'm comfortable with that. And I think that really would help imposter syndrome is that, you know, be confident in what you do and how you do it. Mm -hmm. If you're uncomfortable, sometimes you do have to step out there. As you mentioned, you've got to go out there and find those relationships. You've got to go out there and make those decisions and kind of step out on your own a little bit, but realize you are who you are. So stay authentic. Yeah. I would even add authentically and unapologetically myself. Yes, Like I I will always be who I am no matter what. Um, And for folks where it's harder to own that space for yourself, look at, look at pop culture, right? Look at Sasha Fierce, Beyonce's alter ego. When she hits the stage, she's Sasha Fierce because she struggles with imposter syndrome too. And that's Beyonce Mm -hmm. or Ziggy Stardust for Mm -hmm. uh, David Bowie, right? Like it's okay to spin up, you know, that alter ego to really shine in those moments. If it's hard for you to do it, just associate it to yourself. Well, and what a lot of individuals do is when they see themselves, they always talk down to themselves and, you know, and we will talk about mindset, but, you know, before we go to break here in a couple minutes, when you're always saying negative things, that's mm-hmm. what's at the front of your mind. That's what you think about. But if you start being positive towards yourself, giving yourself a compliment, you know, one of the books that I love is Mel Robbins, High Five yes, Habit. Yes, I love her. Yeah. So Mel Robbins, High Five Habit, for those of you listening, if you haven't listened to it, it's a little colorful, but um, go ahead and listen to it or read it. I, I do a lot of audiobooks in in my world. then she really goes into the science about how the conversation you have with yourself Mm -hmm. and the comments you have with yourself make a huge difference in your actions and therefore in everything you're doing towards your future. So do you you like Mel Robbins as well? I love her work (laughs) and I wholeheartedly believe in everything you just said. Your perception is your reality. And and you're defined by the people that you associate yourself with. So not only if you're speaking badly about yourself, but if your friends or people you know are in that same mindset, you're never going to be able to break through and actually be in that positive space. We'll go into the growth mindset. Um, But I I wholly agree with that law of attraction and saying good things to yourself, building yourself up. Put that little sticky note on your mirror that says, I'm amazing. That's right. And it's so true is that you resonate off the energy that's around you. So if you're around negative energy, you're going to be negative. If you're around positive energy, you're going to be positive. And so we could talk about this all day. And I love this aspect about um, mindset and and how you can change who you are just by your thought process. But we've got to go to break right now. And when we come back, we're going to talk about a little bit more imposter syndrome, of course, growth mindset and mentorship. We will be back in two minutes. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Meet Dr. Stephanie Duguid, the renowned motivational speaker, leadership and success coach, author, and radio show host with an impressive 30 years of experience in education, spanning K-12 and higher education as a teacher, athletic trainer, and administrator. 
With her dynamic presence and inspiring messages, Dr. Stephanie captivates audiences from classrooms to conference halls. Learn how to focus on developing positive leadership skills and confidence to become the transformative and inspirational leader you always wanted to be from any position you hold. Reach out to Dr. Stephanie today. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. When there is a war on talent, you have to go to combat. What is Career Combat? It's a show that airs at 7 a.m. Pacific Time on Fridays on the Voice America Empowerment Channel that acts as your destination for real career talk and real career advice. Hear from the best and brightest in the biz as your host, Kelly Combat, gives you the answers you need. Career Combat, Fridays at 7 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Empowerment. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Welcome back to Empowering Women in Educational Leadership. Have a question for Dr. Stephanie or her guests? Join us on the show at 888-346-9141. That's 888-346-9141. Now back to the show. Welcome back. We are here with Nicole Baldessari from InSpace, talking about imposter syndrome, growth mindset, and mentorship. And Nicole, one of your last statements that you said was, your perception is your reality. And I love that so much. I I do a lot of speaking, and one of those is on communication. And when I talk about it, I say, you know, your perspectives and experience are different from anybody else's. And whenever we talk to somebody, we tend to have this little movie going on in our mind of what we're talking about or how it relates to something of our past. And you just assume that somebody understands what you're talking about, but there's that gap. That's why communication and explaining and understanding and listening are also important. And let me just give a quick example. I'm originally from Houston, Texas, big freeway system, lots of traffic. I now live in a small town in Mississippi that has less than 2000 people. And so when somebody says, oh, my goodness, at the one four-way stop we have in town, there was so much traffic. And it might be two to three cars or a tractor deep or what have you. They're thinking that's a lot of traffic. But when I hear that, I think of the 27-lane highway on I-10 backed up with all the cars. Mm -hmm. It's just different perspectives and experiences. And so I love that you say your perception is your reality because it actually is. It's your reality. It's not anybody else's. And so making sure that you can engage with those folks and communicate and share your stories and and do it in a way that you're not being aggressive or assertive, really wanting to hear people, that is so big in, in educational leadership. And even with mindset with yourself, you know, accept who you are, accept your experiences and move forward. So talking about mindset, you know, being positive, how do you remain positive? Because you said that you are in a remote or hybrid system right now with your job. So how do you stay positive? How how do you do that? 
Um, I'm gonna be honest, it's not easy all the yeah. time. You know, I have harder days than others, but something that I've found uh, for myself staying connected because it's a totally remote organization that I work in. We're a small team. Um, I stay positive by connecting with other people that are going through the same things. Going back to like feeling imposter syndrome about posting on LinkedIn. I posted about feeling lonely uh, in a remote organization and how I'm inviting friends over to host my own happy hours because my company is not doing it because we're all mm-hmm. across uh, the, the the country. And people lit up. That's probably my most engaged with post ever. I could have said anything about education and trends, whatever, but just being raw, real and human and saying, you know, if I don't have company happy hours to go to, I'm going to host my own and I'm going to have closer, deeper relationships with my friends. I want them to bring their friends. How do I create that connection if I can't control what I can't change, which is the fact that my company is remote? How can I do things that are within my control? to fill those gaps. And another thing, I mean, you don't have to go fancy, fancy, you know, parties, dinner parties, whatever. I've actually started reaching out to people that I find really interesting on LinkedIn from different backgrounds, different industries. And I just say, hey, would you be open to having a virtual coffee? It's so awkward to network in this fully remote world. I just want to meet you. You you seem interesting to me. And nine times out of 10, People are like, yes, (laughs) Mm -hmm. and we have a great conversation. And that's what lights me up to keep doing my day job. Uh, If I sprinkle in these little moments of connection outside of my immediate team, that kind of fuels me and and keeps me lit up. Well, I love that because, you know, we just had a a worldwide challenge a couple of years ago and so many people were feeling alone. (laughs) And what we found is that people really do need those connections. And so you have created an opportunity to reach out in such a unique way that I love. And, and you're right. I remember that, that post that you did, I saw it because you had a picture of your little yeah. meats and cheeses, <laughs> of course, and your kitty right there. Yes. <laughs> and, and it's when you humanize. And so people are seeing the other side of individuals, mm-hmm. you know, so many times social media, and we've talked about this forever. Social media shows the good side. Yes. It shows the popular side. Perfect. It it shows yeah. the perfect side. And that's why it's so challenging mental health wise for folks because they're seeing all the goodness. Mm-hmm. But when you share some of the struggles that so many other people are experiencing, it allows you to connect and humanize. And so I love that you did that. So thank you for doing that and putting that out there. Anytime. So, <laughs> so shifting from, you know, the imposter syndrome and mindset and all this is is together, but how has mentorship supported you with those areas? I love this topic. This is something near and dear to my heart because I fully believe the mentors in my life and they're probably listening right now because I texted them and said, I'm so excited for this opportunity. And they were so supportive. Um, It's really gotten me to where I am today. And so it goes back to my first internship experience in college. I went on an interview it was with that CRM company. I felt the energy of the place. People were just inspiring, connected. They were all working towards this common vision. And I'm like, what, 18 at that time? So I'm just opening my world to what does the world of work look like? Um, And when I got in my interview with like uh, the head of sales at that time, he was talking to me. He's like, what do you want out of this internship? And I was like, 
to learn, you know, I didn't know some young, it was my first interview ever. And he was like, no, what you want is a mentor. You want someone that you can rely on, whether that's in this internship experience or 20 years from now, that's going to offer you that guidance, that advice, be that rock in your professional world. And that stuck with me. Like, you don't want that. You want a mentor. And so from then on, I don't know what clicked in my brain, but I said, yep, mentorship makes a lot of sense. So I actually met a mentor at that experience that we are thick as thieves to this day. Like I will go to her when I'm pursuing a new opportunity. We'll bounce ideas off of each other. When I'm feeling imposter syndrome, I'm like, hey, you know me. Is this totally off base or what am I thinking here? She's like, Nicole, come on now. Mm -hmm. And so what I've expanded that idea of like, you need a mentor and what advice I can provide, you don't need a mentor, you need a board of directors. And what I say, <laughs> by that, what I say by that is, you know, one person can't be your only guide in this lifetime. That would be totally unrealistic expectations and probably a lot of weight on that person. So what I've done throughout my professional experience is I've leaned on expertise of different folks in different areas and created this kind of fictional board of directors in my head. So if I have something about like compensation or finance related, I go to this person. If it's about public speaking, branding, you know, that self-image, I'll go to this person. If it's just about an awesome, badass woman in the workplace that I really respect and I want to be more like... I'll go to her and say, what challenges are you facing? Because I feel like in 10 years, I'm going to be you, you know, like mm -hmm. I, I want that mirror almost. So uh, I think it's really important to have that diversified experience on your board so that you can go to different people for different things. And it doesn't have to be real people either. You brought up Mel Robbins. She's on my board of directors. Like there's so much free digital content out there. You don't have to be intimidated by, I don't know how to ask someone to be my mentor. Mm -hmm. All the resources that are available today, you can have mentors in your back pocket that, you know, are dead or alive, right? Like mm -hmm. the podcasts that you hear today, books that people write. We are more accessible as ever uh, in terms of our expertise. So if there's any voices that you enjoy, lean on them, add them to your board of directors. They don't have to be someone you've ever met before. Well, and I, I absolutely love, excuse me, what you said, because there are so many times that you want to go to somebody and they might not be the one that has the answer in that area. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I talk about mentoring women and mine is mentoring them in their journey for educational leadership, because that's my wheelhouse. That's where I've been. I've experienced, I understand. But if somebody asks me about the financial well-being of some, something, 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 yeah, like no. investing in real estate, like, I yeah, don't know. <laughs> no, go to somebody that knows that. So that is, that is such a great way to think of it is to, you know, find your board of directors in your life. That is huge. I love that. In fact, you were talking about figuring out who they are, whether they're real or fictitious or, or, or what have you, you know, Mel Robbins or, you know, somebody that you just see is just this awesome person. I had a previous guest that she would always go to history for the mm. answers. She's a history buff in education. And so she'd look at some of the great leaders that had these huge challenges and read up on them and research them and go, how did they handle that? And so I think that is so great is that she looked at these iconic individuals from the past 
And it would help her navigate where she needed to go because her love was history. And so that was a natural place for her to go. You know, you're in a tech world, so it's automatic. Well, most of us go into tech, but we're not all in tech worlds. <laughs> to look something up or to figure out, you know, you have the YouTube and you the YouTube, you have YouTube, you have Facebook, <laughs> you've got Instagram, I mean, all these other things, but then yep. you have the internet. And, you know, old school, I used to have to go and find books and use the card catalog and <laughs> microfiche and all these other things. But it's amazing the resources we have, and it's almost overly available to us. And, and that's part of the challenge too. So, you know, I'm throwing a couple of things at you, but how do you navigate through all of the opportunities, all of the information to find what works for you? You know, is it, is it just trial and error? I mean, what, what have you been able to do? Yeah, uh, I think two parts to that. First, if we go off of your friend with the history mm-hmm. passion, I was always someone in school who hated history and was like, let's talk yeah. about current events. I want to know what's happening yeah. right now. <laughs> I don't need to talk about hundred years ago. Uh, and that was just because of my interest. So that has carried on uh, to where I'm at now, where I want to hear like, what are people doing right now today to get over these challenges? That's just something I'm interested in. So, um, you know, while she may look to the past for answers, and I think that's great if that's your style, there's even this podcast, uh, I think it was based off of a book by Tim Ferriss called Tribe of Mentors. And he did it um, where he did like 20 minute interviews with people from across different, uh, uh, you know, industries, like a, a grand chess master to, you know, a high up person at an airline, like all of these different things, ask the same set of 10 questions, which I thought was nice because it was repeatable. And I could like be excited to hear what the differences would be in these answers. Uh, and that's where you get all of that context. And you might gravitate towards some. It's trial and error, of course. But the concept of that podcast was enough to hook me and say, what are these people doing and how do they respond mm-hmm. to this? Um, so I think, yes, trial and error. Also, personally, my brain looks like one of those crime show bulletin boards with like the push pins, the pictures, the newspaper clippings, like string going across all of them. I always say this and people think I'm crazy. And I'm like, you know what? You're probably right. But <laughs> needless to say, I'm constantly drawing connections like I'm a pattern recognizer. I like to um, make that accessible for others. So if I'm following certain people on a platform, I'll repost their stuff. I don't always have to make the content myself. I love elevating other people's awesome content that I went down a rabbit hole to find. So I will post those things. And I think the more we share about what interests us, people are going to find those resources through that sharing. Uh, and like I said, doesn't have to be your own thing all the time. Like mm-hmm. people are putting out awesome stuff. There's a lot of, of content out there. Just pick what resonates with you and, and it'll be helpful to others. I, I'm, I was laughing out loud when you said that your brain <laughs> is that, because I'm the exact same way. I have connections I with, I know I have connections with everything. I see patterns and everything, yep. whether it's meant to have a pattern or not. So I was just, I'm sorry, I was laughing out loud about that one. But I mean, you you bring up a good thing in that being able to find what works for you, whether it's looking to history, whether it's podcasts, but the key is, is to find what resonates with you and then to take action. 
So, so many individuals, they keep going through the process, the process, the process. I'm still learning. I'm still learning. I'm still learning. Oh, I'm not ready yet. It has to be perfect before I start. No, you've got to start now. You've got to put yourself out there now. So when you start to load up your board of directors, whether it's one mentor here or somebody else over here, you have got to start taking action. If you are always learning and just taking in more information, you're never going to change and grow and reach that goal that you have. So it is making sure that you do take that action. And thank you for bringing up that that podcast about the different types of mentors. I think that's so powerful. Um, using those 10 questions allowed consistency and validity, you know, as, as he was going through. And everybody has their own perspective. I mean, as yes. we had talked about earlier. And so find the one that resonates with you. And so we've talked about you know, mentorship, imposter syndrome, growth mindset. I kind of want to go back to um, the growth mindset and and think about how exactly, and we've got a couple minutes before break, before we go into the next segment, but how have you really been able to focus on growth mindset? Because some, they always go after the next positive thing. So how do you stay on track while keeping that growth mindset? Yeah, I think some of it comes from my upbringing, like whenever, and and this might not be a good thing all the time, but whenever I was facing a hardship or a challenge growing up, my mom would be like, you have so much ahead of you. Like, look at what you can do with this situation. You're going to make it through. Uh, you know, I even have a tattoo that says from challenge, you become wise. So if we go back to like the perception uh, is your reality, you can't change your past, but you can change your perception of your past. So if there are negative things that have happened to you in your life and you just say, oh, I'm so unlucky. This always happens to me. Like, why me? Wah, wah, wah. Um, that's fine for a little bit, but then you need to kind of grow and learn from those lessons and take that into your next thing. Take that action, move to your next um, job opportunity, to your next relationship, to your next friendship, whatever it might be, and have that level up because now you have that extra insight into what it was that went wrong, what challenges you had, what to look out for in your next chapter. Well, and I absolutely love that from challenges, you become wise. And there's, there's so much that you can unpack just from how you view things. And so if you see things as problems all the time, it's going to be difficult to get around them. But if you see things as simply challenges, and you're looking for the opportunity within that challenge, there is so much more that you can do with that. And so we are going to go ahead and go to break here in a minute. But when we come back, we're going to keep talking about mentorship, imposter syndrome, growth mindset, and the passion, potential, and perseverance to put it all through. So we will be back in about two minutes. Stay with us. Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. Meet Dr. Stephanie Duguid, the renowned motivational speaker, leadership and success coach, author, and radio show host with an impressive 30 years of experience in education, spanning K-12 and higher education as a teacher, athletic trainer, and administrator. 
With her dynamic presence and inspiring messages, Dr. Stephanie captivates audiences from classrooms to conference halls. Learn how to focus on developing positive leadership skills and confidence to become the transformative and inspirational leader you always wanted to be from any position you hold. Reach out to Dr. Stephanie today. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Life can be confusing at times. There can be uncertainty, disappointment, and an inability to clearly see where you're headed. But it doesn't have to be this way at all if you understand how to take the next step in your life. Tune in to Living the Miracle with your hosts, Michael and Raphael Tamora. We'll help you to find the deeper meaning that awaits you in your life, have certainty in yourself, and learn to be clairvoyant. Listen Wednesdays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Welcome back to Empowering Women in Educational Leadership. Have a question for Dr. Stephanie or her guests? Join us on the show at 888-346-9141. That's 888-346-9141. Now back to the show. Welcome back, everyone. We are so glad that you're with us. We are talking with Nicole Baldessari from InSpace about imposter syndrome, mentorship, growth mindset. And we just left talking about um, one of her favorite pieces of advice that she received. I mean, it's very important to her. She has it on herself all the time. (laughs) It's (laughs) It's inked up from challenge, you become wise. And so, you know, I, I share with the audience that I started this this show because of my mom, who was a teacher for 40 years and died um, way too young, I believe. So I was 27 when she passed away. And that's a very challenging time. And what I haven't shared before is that she died in August, on August 23rd, which was just days before 9-11. And we all know how that affected all of us. And so not only did I lose my mom, but we had this huge thing going on across the nation. And and mom was just this awesome, typical Texas woman, big hair, long nails, lots of makeup, big smile, always lit up a room when she came in. She was a leader at school. She was a leader at church. She worked with Habitat for Humanity. But my favorite thing is that she was the welcome wagon woman in Sugar Lane, Texas. So she would welcome members of the community. Just everybody knew her. So when she died, it, it was really challenging for me. And you're talking about finding some good and things that are bad. And I could have let that take me down for the rest of my life, you know, looking at the negative, why me, why me? But I chose to see the positive because mom served so many people. So my take on her loss was that she had to be the welcome wagon lady in heaven for all those individuals that were lost during 9-11. And so she served others and she made their lives better. And so I've made it my life's work to honor her memory and her legacy by serving others and being a mentor to others, just as she was when she was alive. 
So yes, of course, we were mother and daughter. We had fights. We had bad times. But I choose to focus on the positive. And that's what you were saying is that you have so much ahead of you is that whenever you have a challenge, you know, don't dwell on it. I mean, yeah, you're probably going to dwell on it for a little bit, but then, you know, finally stand up, you know, get your composure, put on your makeup, fix your hair, just do it. Just go out and do it. Yeah. And just to pause, I know we're on a radio show and all, but thank you so much for sharing <laughs> your story and it's so beautiful. Not everybody can see, but I'm I'm looking at Stephanie right now on Zoom and the way she recalls her mother like there's this smile on her face there's this true intentionality there's this love and respect and I mean that's what you're trying to do here by empowering women like why can't we all speak about each other now she's showing me a picture oh my god she is the Texas <laughs> welcome <wagon. laughs> she lived up to that name for sure I can confirm that um but you know, why can't we speak about each other as women in the workplace, as as best friends with that same love, admiration, adoration, that sisterhood bond? Um, I think that's a big part of it, too. Like, let's build each other up along the way. Well, and that's a great point as well, is, you know, my whole focus is elevating others. Mm-hmm. You know, empower them. I don't want to be the one in front dragging you along. I want to be the one behind you supporting you. So when I was in a leadership position most recently is if somebody came up with an idea, it was not mine. It was somebody else's. I made sure they got full acknowledgement of it. Yes, I wanted everybody to know, hey, this person came up with this fantastic idea and it is 100% theirs. I can help implement it. I can help support them, whatever it is. But so many times there are women that are trying to climb the ladder, if you will, or feel threatened by those around them. And it is such a challenge to one, work for those folks, but two, something's going to come back and get them at some point. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Because you're only going to get so far. (laughs) It's true. And I can speak to this personally. I mean, I didn't always have this mindset of lifting up others and how important that was. In the beginning of my career, I felt like I had to establish myself. I had to climb those ranks. And there was this woman on my team who was so calm, cool, collected, easy breezy, was hitting her targets, you know, all these things. And I was like, I don't like her. And and if you think about that voice inside of your head, like that's a comparison mindset because now I'm comparing myself to her and I'm seeing her as a threat and turning her into an enemy when really she could be my biggest supporter and I could learn so much from her if we stand beside one another. It's not looking at each other up and down and saying, you know, what do I have that she doesn't? What does she have that I don't? It's about how can we help each other in these different gaps that we don't see those blind spots, right? And so, you know, after a couple months of warming up to the new role and kind of seeing her operate, I turned, you know, my little ice heart melted and I turned into, um, you know, this is one of my best friends to this day. And she'll say the same thing. She's like, oh, you hated me. (laughs) But but now, you know, we are best friends, talk every single day, and I can't imagine my life without her in it. So I think, you know, it's kind of societal. It's ingrained in us to compare. And if you look at, you know, the generations today and how they're using social media and everything, like you mentioned earlier in the show, is this perfect image. It's how do I be perfect? Why can't I look like that? Why can't I speak like that? That's not really what it's about. That's a comparison mindset. 
And that goes into the big bad three that I that I like to steer clear of: the comparative mindset, the scarcity mindset, and the fixed mindset. Those are three we come across all the time. And I would say, especially in higher ed, we're always wondering what the school down the street is doing. How can we be better than them? Scarcity mindset, we have to do everything with nothing. Uh, you know, how do we do more with less? And, you know, nothing's ever good enough to rise up. And then fixed, like this is the way it's always been done. So this is the way it's always going to be. And those three kind of got to knock out tentacle by tentacle to get to that growth mindset and and look at failure as a step to success. Well, and you talk about those and and when you comparison, the scarcity and the fixed, so many times you're looking strictly at the data and you forget that there's a student behind it. Yeah, I had. Yeah, I I had some folks on that work with student engagement um, from University of Texas, the Center for Community College Student Engagement, and their whole thing was humanizing data. Mm. All those schools are looking at persistence, graduation, pass rates, all those other things. What is the human experience that's attached to that? Yep. So if you focus on the student then all those things are going to transition away so that you're thinking of the positivity and growth. And so we talk about that, but then I love what you said about your friend when you first saw her, she was all calm, cool, collected, and you had that comparison mindset yourself. So many times that first impression that we give, you know, we don't always know how the other person is receiving it. So I bet that your friend didn't think that she was giving off any sort of negative energy with you, but it was your perception of what was going on. And so whenever we have some challenges, um, one of my colleagues and and my own mentor, and I do want to highlight that as well, that no matter where you are in leadership or how high you are, you still have mentors. I mean, no matter how high you are in business, you still have mentors. So one of my mentors, she always said, um, learn to respond rather than react. Yes. And so if you think about whenever you have a reaction, if you think of a nuclear reaction, it explodes, it makes things worse. You have to do damage control. But if you respond, think of emergency response as trying to help the situation, life-saving techniques so that you can thrive beyond that situation. And so I encourage everyone to look at how you respond to something. Are you really responding or are you reacting? Yes. And that's going to change how those around you behave when you come into a room. And if you flip the table, when you receive a message that catches you totally off guard, are they responding? That's right. Reacting. And if they're reacting, it might be a reflection of a deeper insecurity or something going on that you don't know about. In my case, with that personal example, like yeah, I was insecure. I was the new kid on the block. I I, I didn't know how I was going to make a name for myself in this company. Um, so I was insecure that she was doing so well and was awesome and was just a genuinely great- Was confident. She was confident. That's what it was. Confident. And, and it, it didn't come off as like, you know, assuming or cocky. It was just there, you know, that, that feeling. And so um, I think a lot of a lot of what happens in our lives is due to some form of of insecurity. So it it's something to keep in mind. Just be always collecting information. Don't be quick to take it so personal when someone says something that rubs you the wrong way. Um, let it roll off your back, and then think. Collect that information and say, 
is this me really? Or is this them? And then I think that can help be a guide throughout challenging situations. Well, and one of the biggest things now is we have so much that's digital. You know, you and I are in different states. And so we are talking on the radio that is actually broadcast from a third state. And we are looking at each other's Zoom, having this conversation. But so much communication now, it's no longer face-to-face where you can see the facial expressions and the body language and all of those other things. So much communication, although it's written, you know, it is in a text or in an email. Mm -hmm. And as you're writing it out, you are thinking one thing. But as they receive it, are they going to get the same message? Yeah. And so, I mean, even on Facebook, the comments that are made, messages that are sent through Messenger, I mean, what, wherever it is, you really have to think about that written word because they can't see your facial expressions, listen to your tone, hear your inflection in your voice, all those other things. And so has that been a challenge? Because you say you work remote. Has that been a challenge in your life is that so much has to be typed or text or messaged or what have you. Yeah, absolutely. Because I am someone who, I don't know if we've noticed here today, but I am like roller coaster voice. Stephanie, she's seeing me, you know, I'm using my hands, I'm speaking. It is very hard for me to be myself in a plain text format, even with emojis, which sometimes I feel like are corny, right? Like, how do I really get that uh, self across. And something that I've done in the team that I have, I know this about myself. They know this about me. I will leave voice memos because then they can actually hear it directly from my mouth on how I want to say it and how I communicate in a team environment versus typing something that could then be misconstrued because it doesn't have those extra maybe nonverbal cues that you can't capture on a written page. Um, But something that I've had friends find a lot of success with is, and I don't know if we have enough time to go here, but AI and chat GPT, like they will run a message to their boss or to, you know, someone in a partnership at a different company. They'll run through their initial message in chat GPT and say, can you make this sound a little bit more polite and professional and polished? And then they'll see what version gets spit out of like what we think is professional and polished and then use that as like, how do we change that message? <laughs> I I love that. And that is a whole other area that we could probably talk for an hour, but unfortunately we only have a couple minutes <laughs> left time. today. That's right. That's right. So we've been talking about passion, potential, and perseverance through mentorship, imposter syndrome, and growth. And so Nicole, very briefly, do you have a couple words of wisdom that you'd like to share with those here today? I mean, you've got three of the biggest words of wisdom in that episode title, passion, potential, perseverance. I I really feel that I embody those three. They really resonate with me. So I love that that was the title of this episode. But if something, if there's something you can take away from my experience, it's that, you know, keep moving forward, be yourself, know your worth and communicate that because you're the only one who's going to advocate for you and you need to be your biggest advocate at the end of the day. So uh, I really like how we went into that unapologetically yourself, genuinely yourself. Mm -hmm. You're a human, be human. And that's it at the end of the day. That's right. So we are out of time, but please share quickly where people can find you on LinkedIn. We talked about, right? 
Yeah. So you can find me on LinkedIn, uh, Nicole Baldessari, B-A-L-D-A-S-S-A-R-R-E. It's a really long last name, but uh, I'm sure we'll share it in the show notes to make it easier. (laughs) Perfect. Well, thank you so much. For those of you that are listening, um, just I want to thank Nicole for being here. I would love for you to find me on the voiceamerica.com homepage. All of my links are there. With a life of experience and education, I would love to be a speaker at your next event or work with you directly through my Empowering Women in Educational Leadership Mentorship Program. Next week, we will have Nora Miller, president of Mississippi University for Women. So be sure to tune again next week at 10 a.m. Central Standard Time on the Voice America Network Empowerment Channel. Thank you so much for tuning in today. See you next time. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Empowering Women in Educational Leadership. We hope you'll join us next week for another inspiring episode 